Because I'm free in Jesus, I'm going to be a servant of the Lord. I'm going to exercise my freedom to serve Jesus. And that's why the Apostle Paul says, I'm a bondservant of Christ. And he doesn't do it because he has to. He does it because he wants to. Now, you've got to ask yourself, if you're one of those people who says, I don't want to serve Jesus, you've got to ask yourself, why? Why would you not want to serve him who served you to the point of death on the cross? You've probably come across people who take advantage of the generosity of others. This may have made you unsure of what to do when people ask for help. Today, Pastor Daniel cautions you to protect your heart from getting jaded or calloused by those who exploit that giving spirit. God's design is that everyone would be provided for as we help one another. He wants us to lovingly look out for each other and help as needs arise. Now here's Pastor Daniel in Deuteronomy chapter 15 as he continues his message, Family Life. God wants to make sure that we do not justify a lack of generosity because it might be a deficit on my balance sheet. On my ledger, it might not come back to me. And that's a whole different way to think about things, isn't it? Now, of course, you run into, and especially in our day and age, you run into, there's all sorts of people who their main income is working every church. Like they're not working, and they're just coming and knocking on every church's door, and they say, you're a church, and the Bible says you're supposed to help me. Now, don't miss that also in the Bible it says if someone won't work, what? They don't eat. See, God does not want the name of generosity to cause someone to not be a viable blessing member of society. And I think that's important because I meet people all the time. Like if I had a nickel for every time as a pastor, someone came and they knocked on the door and said, you know, this is a church. The Bible says you should give to everyone who asks for you, so I need money. You know, one of the things that we do here at Crossroads is we, rather than just give people money, we sit down with them and we talk with them. And we find out, like, the old saying, it's like, what good is it to give someone a fish? They'll eat for a minute. You've got to teach them to fish, and they can eat for a lifetime. So when someone comes to us, we want to go through with them. Why are they in that situation? What are the details of that situation? And we want to help them. Now, oftentimes, when someone has the kind of attitude that says, well, you're a church you're supposed to give to me, that's what God says. When you start asking them questions, they get all mad at you. They're like, well, you, who are you? To? No, no, look, we're actually, we want to help you. But we don't want to give you something only so that tomorrow you're still in need again. Because sometimes what people need is they need a big brother or big sister to come alongside them and say, listen, so the fact that you have a cell phone with all this data stuff on it and this thing, this, maybe you need to get like a lesser cell phone and, you know, and, and maybe you don't need 175 channels on your television. So it's really not got, you just need to reorganize the life that you have. And other times, you know what you find out? Someone's just in a bad spot and they just need help. But the only way you know that is if you talk to them and you understand what's going on. So I'm not recommending you just give to somebody and they're just takers because that's a sin against God. God created all of us with the gift of work that we would be viable, blessing citizens as part of the, not just a receiver. But at the same time, because there's people who work the system, many of us have a tendency to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Not everybody who needs help from other people are just wasters. Not everybody 
has malicious motives. Sometimes people are just in a bad spot and they just need someone to come alongside and help them so they can get it going. And I think that's super important. So we want to make sure we're as wise as serpent and we're gentle as doves. We want to make sure that we don't miss the principle of generosity because of the abuses of some people. Does that make sense? And I think that's very, very important because the idea, see, God's economy is not that there are people who have a ton and that there are people who are in total need. God's economy is, no, no, everyone's going to do fine and we're going to be able to bless everybody. And when somebody has a need, when you have a need, people will help you and you can help them and it all works together and everybody gets taken care of. And that's what God wants for his family. And it's one of the things I love about the Crossroads family because not a week goes by that I don't hear another one of those God stories. Those stories of somebody who could finding out that somebody had a need and just meeting that need. Things that go on and all of a sudden there's people here in our church who are just like, man, they find out about something like, yeah, I want to help that. I want to take care of that. Hey, how can I get involved in that? And I love that because that is the heart of the Lord that we all find, we do what we can do. And listen, Also, at the same time, when there's those seasons when you need help, don't be afraid to tell somebody that you need help. Don't be afraid of that because, listen, we have to know when it's time to receive and when it's time to give. We have to know when it's it's okay sometimes to say, you know, I need help right now. Like, that's okay because along life's way, we need help sometimes, don't we? But once we don't need help, then we start saying, okay, Lord, now I'm through my crisis point. Now, Lord, how can I help? How can I give, how can I do for others as I would have them done for me or has been done for me in my areas of need? But this principle of seeing the whole community as a family is so radically important. It's so radically important because the Lord does not want us to grieve his heart because we have the ability to help and we close up our hearts. We shut our hands. We have an evil eye because we're fearful of tomorrow when God has provided for us in such powerful ways. Does that make some sense? No, I realize it's challenging for us. You know what I mean? Because we all live, as we like to say, we live in a material world and we're all material girls. (laughs) Kinda, you know what I mean? It's like to quote that American theologian, Madonna, you know? I'm not saying that she's a biblical theologian. God knows, you know what I mean? But it's like we live in in a world and there's all these variables that are at play. But we have to realize that God's heart, the principle is that we are generous people. The principle is that we look for opportunities to bless, and to help. We try and figure out, Lord, how do you want me to be part of the solution and not allow a problem to persist? Now, from there, look what it says in verse 12. It says, if your brother, a Hebrew man or a Hebrew woman, is sold to you and serves you six years, then in the seventh year you shall let him go free from you. And when you send him away free from you, you shall not let him go away empty-handed. You shall supply him liberally from your flock, from your threshing floor, and from your wine press. From what the Lord has blessed you with, you shall give to him. Verse 15, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore, I command you this thing today. And if it happens that he says to you, I will not go away from you, because he loves you and your house. And since he prospers with you, 
Then you shall take an awl and thrust it through his ear to the door. He shall be your servant forever. Also to your female servant, you shall do likewise. It shall not seem hard to you when you send him away free from you, for he has been worth a double hired servant in serving you six years. Then the Lord your God will bless you in all that you do. Now, you can pick this up and read about this. We saw this in Exodus chapter 21. First, it's the idea of when a servant is sold to you. Now, every time we get to this part in the Bible, I have to explain it and put it in context. Because when we read about slaves or servants in the Bible, everyone says, that's why I don't like the Bible, because the Bible condones slavery. It does not. Listen, if you read the book of Exodus chapter 21, you find that kidnapping people is wrong, putting them into indentured servitude is wrong, kidnapping them, moving to another place... It's all wrong. It's all a sin in the eyes of God. And so we read about slavery and we automatically filter it through African slavery, what Europeans and Americans did to African people. And it was totally wrong. It was completely ungodly. It was completely dehumanizing and you can't justify it in any way and definitely not from the Bible. You might say, okay, that's a great thing, but how does this work? Now listen, everybody was given land by allotment for the children of Israel, but when business plans got wrong, they would try and borrow money from people right? And these were the debts we were talking about getting erased. But if things got really, really, really bad, one of the ways you paid off your debt was by working for somebody. Now, let me give you an idea. How many of you realize that the reason you go to your job is because it's the only way you can pay your bills? Yeah, right? We call it a job. Back in the day, it was called being a servant. The reason, if you don't love your job, right? There's a handful. Like, I'm the kind of person, as a pastor, I've been in pastoral ministry for 16 years. I've only done it as my full-time occupation for, I've been here the last five years, and then about a half a year in New Jersey and a year in Marin County. So only about six and a half years. The rest of them, I did it for free because there were church plants. And I'm like, man, I'll go get a job. I'll do this anyway. I'll do this for fun, right? So like, if I didn't get paid across, I'd do this still. I'm having a blast, you know? I might be a little more tired when I get here. I drink more coffee, but I'll be good to go. You know what I mean? But like, if you just go to a job because it's the only way to pay the bills, that's exactly what was going on in the children. If you couldn't afford to live, you would link yourself to a wealthy landowner who needed your services and you would live at their house and you would work for them, right? So to me, it sounds an awful lot like job, right? But what happens at the end of the six years? At the seventh year, Right? If he sold to you and he served your six years, then in the seventh year, you shall let him go free. So they weren't your servants forever. It was only for this year. And when all the debts get forgiven, this person gets to go free. And not only that, it tells us also that when you send him away, verse 13, free from you, you shall not send him away empty-handed. You shall supply him liberally from your flock and from your threshing floor and from your wine press. From what the Lord has blessed you, you shall give to them. You see, this is totally different than African slavery, where they kidnapped someone, they brought them there, they were slaves for life, and they had absolutely no rights. Now here, you work off your debt for six years. On the year of release, not only do you go free, but the person who you worked for supplies for you liberally. Here's some cattle, here's some wheat, here's some wine. God has blessed me, I'm blessing you, we're passing that business along, go have at it. Beautiful, right? This is a whole different idea. So anytime someone says, you, well, I can't believe in Jesus or the Bible because the Bible condones slavery, you say, uh-uh, ex nay, no way. That's what you say. Because that's not true. It's not true. You just have to read, like, see, this is the problem. People want reasons not to believe the Bible. They're looking for reasons so that they don't have to put their faith and trust in Jesus, but they're not thinking about it. So I always tell people, like, no, 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 you got to do your homework. You're too smart to hold that position. 
See, that's what I do. I work the end around a little bit. I, I kind of like, like, you're way smarter than believing it that way. You're smarter than that. You got to do a little research. Think about it a little bit. And I always say, go to Exodus 21. Because in Exodus 21, you see, you can't kidnap someone. Like, no, this is a whole different thing that's going on. But I love this because not only when they go away do they get to go free, you also help them on their way. You give them the start to start over again so they don't end up in the same situation. Because they realize God has blessed me and by working for me, you have blessed me and I'm gonna help you get a good start because we're family and I'm grateful for what you've done. Now, from there, why? Verse 15, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord our God, your Lord, your God has redeemed you. Therefore, I command you to be this way to this day. And this is beautiful because he's saying, look, remember where you came from. And remember what I did for you. See, again, it's that golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do. And see, God's like, look, you were slaves and I redeemed you. And all the reason you have all this is because I redeemed you. And I want you to pass that along. Remember where you've been. Remember how I treated you. And now go treat others likewise. It's, see, the Christian ethic is so simple. But we're so good at making it really super complicated. We start to get really worked up about these things. Now, it says this in verse 16. And if it happens... That he says to you, I will not go away from you because he loves you and your house since he prospers with you. Then you shall take an awl and thrust it through his ear to the door and he shall be your servant forever. Also to your female servant, you shall do likewise. Now this is beautiful because this is the principle or the idea of the bond servant, right? The apostle Paul always calls himself a bond servant of Jesus Christ. Now think about this. The bond servant was a unique class or category in service. At the year of release, when this servant is supposed to go free, he says, look, I don't want to leave. I love being here. I love this house. Can I stay? And at that point, he gets taken to the, or she gets taken to the doorpost of the house and gets a piercing. Literally, get your ear pierced. And in that culture, if you were to go to a house and you'd see a servant with their ear pierced, you were like, oh, that piercing was a symbol of honor. It was a symbol of honor because it was like, look, I'm allowed to go free, but I'm going to exercise my freedom by staying right here because I love this place and I don't want to leave. I actually, I love living here. This is awesome. I'm doing great. I like this guy whose house it is. This is all good. I want to stay. And that's exactly the heart of the Apostle Paul. And that should be our hearts. See, listen, in Jesus, you're free. Who says that's free is free indeed. But you say, you know what? Because I'm free in Jesus, I'm going to be a servant of the Lord. I'm going to exercise my freedom to serve Jesus. And that's why the Apostle Paul says, I'm a bondservant of Christ. And he doesn't do it because he has to. He does it because he wants to. Now, you got to ask yourself, if you're one of those people who says, I don't want to serve Jesus, you got to ask yourself, why? Why would you not want to serve him who served you to the point of death on the cross? See, this is what happens. Because Satan, he's funny. Satan's been at this a long time. Right? Because you, you get that thought in your mind. You start walking with Jesus. You're like, man, I want to grow in Christ. And you think to yourself, you know, I want to serve the Lord. And then Satan's like, oh, no, you don't. You're scared of spiders, and God's going to send you to the deepest jungle in the world. You know? <laughs> or you say, man, I, you, know, you know, I'm going to serve the Lord. You know, and you're a single person. The Lord says, oh, don't do that. Man, he's going to make you marry that person. That person, every time you see him, you're like, you know? As if, like, God's plan is just to do you dirty. That's what he's like. God's not just like, yeah, you serve me. I'm going to play sport with your life. That's not, see, but that's what Satan does. 
you don't realize that that's what he's doing, but he's saying, if you serve the Lord, he's not going to take care of you. He's going to stick you in situations that you hate, that you would never want to be in because God's just kind of a malicious dude. And I'm here to tell you, that is not the heart of the Lord. I'm here to tell you that if you hate spiders, if God wants you to go to Africa, he'll make you love spiders before he sends you there. Like, that's what happens. Like, all of a sudden, I use that example. I have a friend. This woman, she's in her 70s, right? Her and her husband, he was a pastor, and they served the Lord in America, and she's always like, man, I hated spiders. I hate spiders. You know, and she's always there. Don't, we're never going to go to Africa. No, no, no. No, 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 no. And then all of a sudden, God started changing her heart. You know what I mean? And they ended up, they took a missions trip to Africa, and she was like, man, I don't know why I want to. I, I, I don't want to go to Africa, you know? And sure enough, she went there. She fell in love with the place. And she ended up with spiders in her tent and everything. And now they live there. They've been living there now for like eight years now. And they have this amazing ministry in Africa. And she's like, man, it's amazing. I'm, I used to say, we'll go anywhere. I just don't want to go to Africa. It just it freaks me out. And now she lives there. And she lo- she's like, I'm never coming back. She's like, forget. I don't know what I was thinking. But we see God changes our When God wants something for us, he changes our hearts. So I'm, listen, brothers and sisters, you all need to serve Jesus. You need to serve the Lord. You know, I was just talking the other day to one of our dear sisters in the church, one of our prayer warriors, and she came up, she was talking to me, she says, Pastor Daniel, it just breaks my heart. People don't serve the Lord. I don't get it. They think they can grow in Christ by just, just taking a seat and leaving when they don't feel like being here anymore. It's missing the point, you know? And, and I was like, yeah. Brothers, you got to serve the Lord. Because until you start taking the word that you're hearing and allowing the Spirit of God to push it down to your hands and your feet, you're only going to get deformed spiritually. Because you're always receiving and you're never, it's kind of like if you're always eating and you're never working out. You know what I mean? You get, first you get chubby and then you get fat and then you die. Like that's what happens. <laughs> and spiritually that kind of stuff happens where it's like you're receiving the Word, you're receiving the Word, and you're never actually putting it into practice. And then what happens is you become one of those believers who just sits in the pew and you're angry about everything, but you're not doing anything. And you can't understand why. Like, I have no joy and I, I'm a Christian, but nobody likes to be around me. And it's because you're not serving the Lord. You know, I'm blown away by the men and women of this church because, man, people show up, they're sick. They're like, you know, they're mangled up. Like, we're here to serve, you know? It's like, man, you gotta go lay down. No, no, I'm serving the, I'm serving the Lord today. No, no, no. You, like, now it's time for you to get better because you're gonna get everyone sick. Go away. You know what I mean? But like, you got to love the heart, you know what I mean? Because they're like, yeah, I'm all messed up, but I'm here. I'm going to serve the Lord. You know what I mean? But it's like, because they realize that their life is hidden in Christ and God gets pleasure from them when they give self-sacrificially because they see people grow. You know, they're the ones who are blown away because they're the ones who are here early praying that people would come to know Jesus. And then all of a sudden in the sanctuary, people are coming to know Jesus and they're all weeping because like, we were praying for this, you know? And it's a whole different experience than if you just show up and receive and leave. Because now all of a sudden you feel like, okay, I just experienced that thing. But God doesn't want you to experience it. He wants you to be an integral part of it. And I'm here to tell you, brothers and sisters, you all, you will find who the Lord is in the midst of serving, in the midst of the ministry. Listen, I always tell people, they say, I want to know the Lord more. I'm like, you got to serve then you got to serve then because the things that go on in the midst of ministry, you get stretched out in all these ways. You learn all these things you would have never learned unless you were put in this situation that you were never been in on your own with people who you would never be involved with on your own. And all of a sudden, God is blowing your mind with who he is.
with what he's doing. And so brothers and sisters, take that step of faith. Begin to serve the Lord. Listen, there are so many opportunities for you just to take the next step. You might be saying, well, Pastor, you know, like, I don't have any energy. Listen, you don't need energy. You just need a willing heart. I mean, listen, you like, well, I got a bad back. Doesn't mean you're going to serve the Lord. You got to lift rice bags at 80 pounds. You know what I mean? But there's other things that you can do. And so don't be stuck in what I can't do or what I'm limited by. Say, Lord, I just want to step out. And listen, come talk to the pastors of this church. And we'll find places to get you slotted in. And you might have to try 50 things here before you find something like, yeah, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And you know what? That's a good thing. Because we all want to step into the place in the body that God created us to be. And in some ways, we are called to be these bond servants. Because we're free in Christ, we choose and volunteer to help, to be involved in the work of the kingdom. Now, I'm going to close this chapter out. Look what it says in verse 19. It says, all the firstborn males that come from your herd and your flock, you shall sanctify to the Lord your God. You shall do no work with the firstborn of the herd, nor shear the firstborn of your flock. You and your household shall eat it before the Lord your God year by year in the place where the Lord chooses. But if there is a defect in it, if it is lame or blind or has any serious defect, you shall not sacrifice it to the Lord your God. Verse 22, you may eat it within your gates. The unclean and the clean person alike may eat it as if it were a gazelle or a deer. Only you shall not eat its blood. You shall pour it out on the ground like water. Now, the principle of offering to God the firstborn, again, if you want to go back, look at Exodus chapter 13, verses 11 to 15, which is where we see it. Now, the idea is that the first Firstborn of the womb, it's the best of the womb. That's the idea of it. It's the first time this has happened. So we always want to give God our best. That's the idea of it. And so for the children of Israel, the sacrifice that they were given would always be the firstborn of the flock. And the key is, is that firstborn needs not to be defective, but perfect. You know? And the reason that this happens is because God knows that we have a tendency maybe to want to give God the lame one. You know, like there's an old story of a guy who was a goat herder. And one goat was going to have twins. He said, one's for me and one's for the Lord. And when the goat twins were born, one died and one lived. They said, well, did you give it to the Lord? Well, the Lord's goat died. You know what I mean? And that's kind of the human heart, right? Like where it's like, I'm going to give God like what I don't want instead of giving God the best. And really the principle is, is God deserves the best because everything we have comes from who? God. And so God, he's the rightful recipient of the first fruits. Jesus is real. Thanks for tuning in today as Pastor Daniel continued working through the blueprints for life that God gave the Israelites. You learn that you have the opportunity to serve the Lord with the whole of your life, to be his bondservant. Pastor Daniel encouraged you to serve Jesus, the one who gave everything to serve you. Healthy and rich spiritual growth happens when you put the truth that you're learning into practice through service. You'll get to know the Lord in new and real ways as you take that step of faith. I want to thank you so much for listening to the Jesus is Real program. And I realize that there are many of you You're not a born-again follower of Jesus. You've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. But as you've been listening, you've been saying to yourself, I want to begin to follow Jesus. I want to help you do that right now. We're going to pray a simple prayer that just acknowledges who Jesus is in your life. So if that's you, if you're saying yes to Jesus for the very first time, pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I'm giving you my life. Thank you for saving me. I believe in you, your life, 
your death on the cross and your resurrection. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I ask it in Jesus' name. And we all said together, amen. For those of you who just received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I'm so excited for you. I want to know that you did it though, because I want to help you take your next steps with him. So pull out your mobile phone, text the word SAVED to 51400, S-A-V-E-D to 51400. And my team will get in touch with you. We want to get some more resources in your hands to help you on this journey. Now, my team, we want to share some stuff with you, so don't go anywhere. Thanks, Pastor Daniel. You know, the Bible says that when one person comes to Jesus, the angels in heaven rejoice. And we rejoice with them today if you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Daniel. Again, to receive some resources that are going to help you in this new journey with Jesus, take out your mobile phone right now and text the word SAVED, S-A-V-E-D, to 51400. Next time on Jesus is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will talk about the three pilgrim feasts God wants the Israelites to participate in. You'll see that God asks his people to gather together three times a year because he wants them to understand that they're part of something bigger than themselves and their own communities. They're members of the family of God. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through this series called Blueprint. Until then, may God bless.